Daryl, question for you. Yes. And then we'll start the show. <laughs> um, show? <laughs> when you go to the movies, oh, for mm-hmm. God's you sake, find yourself at a movie theater with you and your, and, and your missus, uh-huh. or just another human being raised in Western civilization in the last 70 years. Okay. When you're at the movie theaters, yes. what is uh, your snack or snacks of choice? I'm a candy guy. Candy. Yeah, I'm a candy guy. So uh, I went to candy at the movies, Vince. Y- yes. I, when I I went to go see uh, it part two yesterday, and I brought uh, the awesome Reds pack of Jolly Ranchers. Uh, that's my candy of choice. Wow. Now, did you bring it with you, or of did course. you buy it at the, See, that's what I said. People sneak the candy. That's in. true. Oh yeah. Did say that. Of course, right. they do sneak the candy. In. I mean, every once in a while, I guess if you caught off guard, you can show up and buy candy. I I, I I'm more likely to buy popcorn at a theater than I am to buy candy at a theater. I bring interesting. my candy. You know, I would say that that's interesting, but it's not that interesting because that's what everybody gets. <laughs> not everybody gets popcorn. What do you get? I'm glad you asked. Mm. I enjoy pretzel bites. Oh, okay. I, I, I had a nacho phase. Nachos, also regular. Pretzel bites, are, I mean, yeah. I, I, it's serial killer behavior. You can say it, Daryl. <laughs> Wait, are you, you, put him, you put him on the temporary Wi-Fi. So don't worry. He's not going to use it to stalk his prey. Are you talking about, like, it's pretzel bites that you dip in the cheese. Just yes. Like nachos. Yes. Yeah, I get it. Yes. I mean, people like bread. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a chip people guy. People like bread. Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I recognize pretzel that. Pretzel bites. It's like stale bread. It's not like stale bread. You can dip it in cheese. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Triple. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we find ourselves in Vince's ancestral home. It is. Of Baltimore. You can hear the song of my people if you open the windows. But thankfully, we do not have those windows open. We have them closed. It's time for the percolator. (laughs) It's time for the percolator. Ah, uh, there it goes. Percolator, 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 percolator. Okay, percolator. all right, all right, okay. all right, all right. Never heard that song till I got to college. <laughs> See, that makes sense. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Those dulcet tones that you heard, ladies and gentlemen, are the uh, the voice of our guest, comedian Daryl Charles. Hey. Hey. Hi. Making a return trip, but I believe more, in fact, a first trip. Truly, to the true Michelle mission. Very true. You were you were in the middle of uh, purchasing a home, if I, I remember was. correctly. I Congratulations. Was. Thank you. Yes. yes. Uh, all those many years ago. But now he is here um, as we are on our road to 200. And Daryl is here to help us review Eddie Murphy mm. in The Distinguished Gentleman yes. of mm-hmm. 1992. Yes. Yeah, you know, when you think of 92 and Eddie Murphy, you think The Distinguished Gentleman. Well, or 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 boomerang. Oh, <laughs> oh. Hmm. Yes, I, I'm sure that that was like the eyebrow raise of everyone who saw the title of this one. Like, distinguished gentleman. 
I guess that was a Eddie Murphy movie. Yes, it, yeah. it absolutely happened. It did happen. It did happen. And we're going to talk about it t- today on the Michelle Mission. Um, but first, we're going to talk with Daryl. Yeah. Hey. Hey, cool. Dude, what's Hi. up, man? I'm all right. You know, just chilling, trying to get ready for the taping of my debut album on October 16th at 8 o'clock at Helium Comedy Club in Philadelphia. That's at 20th and Sansom Street. Tickets are on sale now. Nice. Well, right, now that we get the Glad promo part, got of that in there. Yeah. Oh, oh, the rule of threes is in effect. You know, <laughs> yes. That's that's one. one. <laughs> all right. Please come. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is your your debut album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm curious, Daryl, because you've been a frequent guest on the Black Tribbles. Yeah. So and I know about your whole geeky, you know, background. Yeah. But I don't know don't know about your comedy background, your comedy roots. Like where does that come from? Because you went to Temple for engineering. Yeah, and I was an engineer for a while, and then I was like, I don't want to do this for 40 years. So then I had to figure out what else I wanted to do, and I decided comedy. Okay. Yeah. How'd you land on comedy? Yeah. What's, I was watching uh, Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip, and I was like, he looks like he's having fun, so let me give that a shot. And I was always, you know, the person telling jokes in the yeah. back of the school bus. and You were that guy. Yeah, I was that guy. I, uh, every, I think every child born in the 80s has a moment where they find truly tasteless jokes. Yeah. Like it's passed yeah. around in elementary school. That was a formative moment for me. It wasn't <laughs> just... Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we're having fun. I, like, read the book. Yeah? And committed those things to memory. And so, like, on school trips. Where'd you find the book? Oh, another child okay. had okay. it, you know. I didn't know if, like, your father handed it down to Oh, you. no, no, no. No, it was like, yeah, one kid, like, brought it one day. And I was <laughs> like, oh, this is nice. Let me hold it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. It's always a kid that doesn't really have the oversight right. in his life. Right. Yeah, that's or, I mean, they have a parent who had the book and just it was in a bookshelf and they found it and, you know. Or in the bathroom. Yeah, could be. Bathroom. Bathroom reading. There are, there are the Truly Tasteless Joke kids and there are the National Geographic kids. Yeah. 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 And you were a Truly Tasteless Joke kid. Until I became a National, National Geographic, Geographic kid, but that's neither here nor there. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> So then you, so then you journey out and you, yeah. So say, I, started, I want to be a comedian. Yes. How old are you when, when this is happening? Oh, I was twenty-seven. Okay. Oh wow! So it was okay. later. Yeah. yeah, it was later. I was, I was like working at a real job, like a, a career guy, and then uh, yeah. So I started uh, going to open mics and taking improv classes, mm-hmm. and uh, the rest is, uh, you know, they say history, but. Uh, you went to open mics, but you were also taking improv classes, but mm-hmm. you wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Why do the improv classes? What was that teaching you? Well, I wanted to be like uh, kind of off the cuff with it, right? That's what I thought I would get out of it, was right. like that, that off the cuff kind of uh, attitude mm-hmm. when it came to doing stand-up. Uh, I think it was a great thing to do just because I would tell any comedian, like stage time is really the thing you need. Right. So it's just more of that stuff. But okay. yeah, I learned skills that I will use on October 16th at 8 o'clock at Helium Comedy Club. <laughs> you didn't have to slip in the second one. I was about to say, hey, pace look, yourself. You don't know if the rule of threes means six? <laughs> <laughs> See, where you messed up is you thought three meant the number three. Right. I mean, multiples of three. Right. Shooting for 27. Right. 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 And go. <laughs> gotcha. October 16th, 8 p.m. <laughs> I'm mad at you, man. Me either. Me either. Do it. You only, you only get one shot to tape it. 
So <laughs> please show up and laugh, even if you don't like the jokes. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm surprised that this is your first album, though, because you've been at it for a little bit, for like a few years. Yeah. But, you know, uh, circumstances be what they are. And I was like, I feel like I have enough material now to do it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And uh, enough material that I would like want it to be held for prosperity. Right. Right. And so. now this this will be the retirement of this material. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, okay. no, no, no. Well, I mean, it'll be on sale. But, uh, right, right. but you know, I think it's one of those things where like you want to take a it's like a benchmarking. Right. Like, mm-hmm. right. Here is where I am right now when it comes to my stand up. So. Now, it's not like I'm retiring the jokes per se, but it's one of those things like, it's like um, how Dumbledore had that, that pot of his old memories because it was like too many. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like that. It's like, I just want to put that on, uh, you know, physical media. Mm-hmm. Okay. In a, in, a, in a nice presentational format so that I don't have to worry about, am I forgetting the old things? Right. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. One of the things I've heard about comedy is that it's harder, well, and I don't know whether it's true or not, you can speak mm-hmm. to this, is it, it harder to be funny now because you never know the slightest thing may offend people. Yeah, I mean, people are sensitive now, and I think that they were sensitive before, but they just didn't have an outlet to vent their frustration. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I get it. And I think... I think that comedians back in the day got that too. Uh, I think that, yeah, I mean, some people's comedy will try to approach those topics, Mm -hmm. right? Some people's comedy will try to talk about the things that you're not supposed to talk about in public. Uh, But as an audience member, you should be able to understand the feelings behind the words, right? Like, I may delve into a topic that's going to make people mad, but at the end of the joke, Right, you should be able to tell that one, I'm joking, and possibly the main point that I was trying to make, even if what I was saying was uh, ancillary to the point, or or actually what I was saying was trying to bring up the opposite point, mm-hmm. but I'm doing it in a buffoonish way so that you think that like yeah, actually he's kind of with it on this other side, but the problem with the internet is that people can take stuff out of context, but mm-hmm. you all, I mean that's just what you do. Not me. I don't do that. No, I mean, that's just, it's a brand new age. You just have to kind of deal with that. Right. That aspect. Right. And it does suck for some, but I mean, I put a lot of thought into the things that I say, as I think most comedians do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even if they don't put enough thought into how it's going to be received, they're obviously putting thought into what they say. Sure. So, you know, I think that, I mean, I know that I have jokes that, oh, I was telling jokes yesterday where there was an elderly lady in the audience and I could see the moment that she was done with me. Like, really? because in the middle of the joke, I just saw her, like, throw her hands up, and I was right. like, yeah, I'm never getting a laugh from her for the rest of the show. Right. It was very funny to me to right. see that happen, and then to tell other jokes that were, you know, tame by comparison, and watch the room laugh, and she was just like, she was, nah, she dog. Was nah, dog. <laughs> yeah, you need Jesus. It was like that kind of thing. It was like, is, yeah. Is this a joke that's going to be on the album? Or oh, yes, it will definitely be on the, the album. Okay, I'll tell y'all, I mean, there's no reason to do it here. You wouldn't put it on the radio. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. You right. wouldn't put it on the radio. All right. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Well, then it won't be here. On the okay. Show yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm curious. You're talking about comedians put a lot of thought into the things that they say and the, and they do. What thoughts did you put into selecting 1992's The Distinguished Gentleman as the movie that we're reviewing tonight? Oh, that was very nice. Oh, that's good. Um, it's it's a movie that I started watching. 
for other reasons uh, recently, but like as I watched it, I was like, this is a very good movie. And not only good, but smart. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a very intelligently done movie, and it's uh, you know, I like it for a variety of reasons, but mm-hmm. it's a nice satirical take on uh, politics, and uh, I think Eddie Murphy's acting is uh, remarkable. We'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Oh, you must think I'm Kareem. I'm Jamal. He stiff you in your drinks, too. He fired. Kareem, where's this woman's drink? Thomas Jefferson Johnson is no ordinary con man. Take the damn money. Take the watch, please. You know this goes against my every principle. There is only one place for people like him. I want to tell y'all about a town where the streets are paved with gold. You mean Las Vegas? No, not Las Vegas. He's talking about Washington, D.C. I am running for Congress. Now, Thomas Johnson con man (laughs) is Thomas Johnson congressman. Read my lips! We have a new member joining us today, the distinguished gentleman from Florida. Paul Zickhauser, American Tobacco Council. (laughs) I'm going to be extremely frank with you. That is, if you're interested in fundraising. Well, I'm very flattered, Mr. Chairman. Dick. Well, I'm very flattered, Mr. Dick. No, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry, Chairman Dick. Oh, Dick, just Dick. Oh, just Dick, just plain old Dick. We feel that the semi-automatic weapons gotten a bad rap. Really, they're just guns for the ordinary sportsman. And then like a nice warm Uzi. <laughs> Must have had a heart attack. Hollywood Pictures presents Eddie Murphy. And I think it is wrong when students have to stay up late at night and miss all the good shows, doing homework, then get up early in the morning and go to school. This sort of thing just is not fair. He's going to do to Congress what Congress has been doing to you. I got a sprinkler too now. Back at you. The distinguished gentleman. Aren't you going to vote? Is that what that means? You know, all this time I thought that that man was time for Final Jeopardy or something. The Distinguished Gentleman, ladies and gentlemen, is a 1992 political comedy starring Eddie Murphy, directed by Jonathan Lynn. The film stars Lane Smith, Shirley, Ralph Jodan Baker, James Garner in a very short cameo, Victoria Rao, Grant Shaw from um, Murphy Brown fame, Mm -hmm. Kevin Mc... McCarthy from um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers fame, uh, Charles Dutton, Chi McBride, and Noble Willingham. The plot is centered on politics, specifically what members of Congress and lobbyists do when they get what they want in Washington, D.C. Eddie Murphy plays Thomas Jefferson Johnson using the passing of the longtime congressman Jeff Johnson to get elected to the United States Congress as a freshman congressman where the money flows from lobbyists. This was Daryl's selection for this stop on our road to 200 on the Michaud mission. He says that this was a smart film and that Eddie Murphy's acting in it was... Was the word you say remarkable? Remarkable. Remarkable. Yeah. He you did, said remarkable. He did say remarkable. Vince, what say you of the distinguished gentleman? 
your your first impressions of this my film. And, and it really is my my first impression because I realized I've never seen this wow from beginning to end. Oh. But we, we were joking about it coming out the same year as Boomerang, mm-hmm. and I think that was maybe the biggest mistake that they made because it's not as good as Boomerang. Oh no. You know, it's not as good as Boomerang. It's not even trying to be it's not Boomerang at all. It's a yeah. completely it's a yeah. it's a different film. I think what I thought at the end was that I wish they had put as much energy into this as they did Boomerang. Like Boomerang, I think, and, and I'm not going to keep comparing it to Boomerang, sure. but, but just to launch this conversation, I felt like Murphy's commitment to this mm-hmm. wasn't like it was in quote unquote his project. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. You know, I think in 92, Eddie Murphy and the Eddie Murphy-ness is, is at a point where he's taking his charisma for granted. Mm-hmm. And I think that it tips a little bit against him in this where he's not quite as charming as he thinks he is. I, I think I love the concept. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love the high concept, and I think the script is not that bad. I, I, I think I really like the cast. You can hear my butt coming. <laughs> I really like the cast, and I, and I thought this was indicative of an Eddie Murphy cast in the '90s, where Eddie Murphy still had enough clout right. to put together these great cast. But I think what disappointed me the most is that it wasn't the ensemble that I wanted it to be. Like, Eddie Murphy is not strong enough in this film to carry it on his shoulders. And you have, you, you know, I don't, I don't know if you mentioned Lane Smith or not. I did. Yeah. I, did. I love he, Lane Smith. Love Lane Smith. I, don't, I think Lane Smith is underutilized. I think Cheryl Lee Ralph is criminally She's underutilized. underutilized. Yeah. Uh, Charles Dutton, uh, Chi McBride, who literally is in what three scenes? It, this was his uh, theatrical debut. debut. Yep. Is it okay? Yeah, so well, first, so yeah. I can forgive them for not understanding that you got Chi McBride, right? Yeah. But I think my my ultimate first impression was, oh well, that was all right. <laughs> okay, and. It's not as bad as I thought it was. Because right. just to fold, I'll fold in Boomerang one more time. <laughs> I think what happened to Distinguished Gentlemen is that it got swept up in that wave of not Boomerang Harlem Nights. Um, what's the third Eddie Murphy movie that, that people like? The, the kind of black ones. It's like Boomerang Harlem Nights. Oh, and Coming to America. Yeah, yeah. Right, like right. those sort of early 90s Eddie Murphy films. Oh, yeah. And I thought it was all right. Yeah. yeah it's I all, thought it was all right. It's all right. Um, like, my impression, going back to this movie, and I hadn't seen it in, in a long time, was that I remember this was a, like you just you both hinted at, this was the era where Eddie Murphy is feeling himself and he's feeling sex symbol Eddie. Yeah. Right? So he's coming off of Boomerang. He's got his hair slicked back. You know what I mean? He's got a fly cut and now he gets to wear suits. So every movie I want to wear different suits. So now Eddie Murphy, you know, he, he his wardrobe was was on like next level in Boomerang. So now he wants to show that, you know, I can still rock a nice you know, regular suit, you know, t- suit and tie and still make it look fly. Mm-hmm. So that's what he, that was my impression 
you know, when I saw this movie originally. So returning to it again, I'm thinking I'm going to see more of that, which there is a lot of that in this. Mm -hmm. But what I also felt was, to your point, Bali's not in an ensemble, Eddie is not generous in this film okay. to everyone else. Remember, that's the one thing you, you point out about Boomerang, and even maybe not as to a lesser extent with uh, um, coming to America that he's generous with the jokes. He's generous with the, with, uh, with the screen time, letting people have their moments, have their scenes. And I don't think that he was in this film. He is, to your point, I don't think he's as committed. His energy is a little low in there. Um, uh, and Shirley Ralph is, is not used to to the extent that she can. Victoria Rao, who's a, a very significant actress, mm -hmm. she basically is just playing just, you know, the chick. She's not really yeah. given much to do in this movie, you know. Um and uh the only other the only other person that kind of like stands out to me comedically is to a degree Lane Smith. Just but that's just because he's got to play big and bombastic right, at the yeah. end. And then Grant Show, uh, Grant Show, and that's actually pronounced his name, my fault for earlier, from um, who was made his name on Murphy Brown. Mm -hmm. He gets a, a few comedic moments. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but other than that, it's all Eddie. Even Eddie doing impressions and stuff like that. Nobody else is really getting a getting a moment to shine in this film, which to me very much played like a flip on. You know, I'm a classic movie guy, so. It, played a flip on Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Sure. And so now yeah. it's, you know, Mr. Jefferson goes to Washington. Oh, um, yeah. Well, I think the thing is that... Uh, oh, were you, no, no, no. Go ahead. Go. go oh, no. I think the thing is that, like, Eddie Murphy had nothing to do with the writing of this movie. True. Like, mm -hmm. right. He didn't write it. He, he, I mean, the director was the guy who did My Cousin Vinny, right? Yeah. 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 So, like, he does just show up and do the job, mm -hmm. right? And it is, you know, obviously it's written for Eddie Murphy. There are, like, ten thousand impressions in right. the first 20 minutes of the movie yeah like it really is like he's like all right i'll just do them all right uh but it's so funny you can see he's having fun he even breaks in a couple scenes uh, <laughs> uh yeah, but do you think he's really having fun or do you think he's just not taking it seriously oh i don't know how much fun he was having i think he was especially doing all the impersonations that um, con man stuff i think he was having a good time uh, uh, seemed like it okay mm -hmm. all right yeah but i think the thing is like this was it's like um, it's like a uh, I don't know, like a more adult e version of like that that Beverly Hills Cop. Like I'm the you know charming rogue okay. guy. Okay. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? And I I just liked Eddie Murphy doing that. It wasn't like wild and crazy, and it wasn't you know um, there's a new sheriff in town. It wasn't like that guy. Right. Right. But it was like this like older con man who you know uses his uh wilds to get something right. and then you know obviously the movie unfolds that it's not all it's cracked up to be and he ends right, up having right. a conscience and stuff like that and I thought that was like neat in, in addition to really like especially in 1992 highlighting how terrible you know politics were when it comes to right, lobbying right. and stuff like that so it's like it's a really smart movie and uh, yeah and I think like I think that yeah the, the, the end where it's like they're doing the this is where you want to see like the ensemble take place, right. where all the other characters are able to like show off. That did kind of fall right. flat, yeah. flat a little bit. And to your point, I, I think, and it's not the film's 
fault. I, I think, unfortunately, it loses a little of that political commentary bite mm-hmm. in 2019 yeah. because we're, we're, I mean, we're living in a presidency that's like yeah. something out of Kafka. <laughs> um, you know, just to media, we're all kind of post House of Cards, right? Mm-hmm. Which examine all of this really well. But I think you're right. In '92, I don't know how many projects were really looking at the inner workings of politics like this right. and and the scenes that did work for me i actually did like the scenes between eddie murphy and again i'm going to go back to lane smith where he sort of is serving as his mentor and, oh yeah and he's telling him how things work and and you see a bit of the glad handing and and i say it all the time oftentimes I, I want to direct the movie in my head and yeah. the camera will go one way and I'll go, no, 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 no. Keep the camera here. And when Victoria Raul shows up, it's like, okay, well now we have the obligatory love interest mm-hmm. and we have to have some scenes with them too. And he's going to grow a conscience, but I'd much rather see him on more private planes with lobbyists and, right. and, and learning that whether he votes yes or no, there's money in each vote. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Like, I really enjoyed that part of it. But, you know, in my mind, they didn't spend enough time on that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I, I, I would have. I, I mean, they, they did it in like a montage kind right. of fashion. Yeah, right. Right. But yeah, I did like, I did like, yeah, it was like that, that being, having Eddie Murphy be the proxy. Right. Right. For right. the audience. Right. In that, like, I just like that, like, he's learning and, you know, that kind of like, as a con man, like, oh, this is y'all grift. Like, yeah, that, right. that, that right, was kind of right. cool. Like, you, yeah. like, when he calls right. Grant Shep, uh, show, um, calls him on, you know, how he gets his job. It's like, oh, this is the shakedown. Right. Okay, yeah. right. Exactly. I, you got me. You got me. Yeah. Exactly. That was cool. Yeah, that, that was cool. I, I peeped that. It's like that beautiful moment in maybe my favorite Eddie Murphy comedy. Well, it's definitely my favorite Eddie Murphy comedy, Trading Places, where, mm-hmm. where the brothers are telling him how to be stockbrokers uh, and this and yeah. He's like, oh, y'all are bookies. <laughs> <laughs> and it is this, this beautiful puncturing mm-hmm. of all of this high class maneuvering right that is really just what criminals and con men have always done right exactly just on a larger scale right right you did they didn't get to go to boarding school and and right speak proper english yeah but it's all the same hustle yeah so i could have watched much more of that yeah but they had to bring in a child and give him a conscience and you know that happens (laughs) actually wrote I cannot believe it's a cancer kid <laughs> in capital letters in my notes. Like, as soon as she walked in, I said, oh, my oh, God, are they pulling the cancer kid out? Yes, they are. Jeez, I guess that'll give him a conscience. Got to. Yes, they are. But but not till the wig gets knocked off. Man, was that just a janky scene? Uh, it was like, this best. is terrible. <laughs> Why are you doing this in the distinguished gentleman? Somebody's got a power bomb this child right, right before they, they do. do. Yes. <laughs> he, he's totally like just hoist girlfriend up and is like is ready to power bomb her suplex out of the office. I'm like, whoa. I kept waiting for the scene where he fired his staff because they are woefully inadequate oh, yes, yeah. for this. Well, mind you, he, you, you, you don't know because when he walks into the office, he stands there for a second. Right. Like, <laughs> like, like watching, see this dude carrying girlfriend on the hip 
pushing mom out the door and he stands there. Hey. <laughs> Didn't he have like a trophy in his hand? <laughs> wait, wait, a trophy? That they never explained. No, no, no. no. <laughs> they never explained the trophy. Just, sometimes congressmen get trophies. Hey, you know. This shit is wild in politics. <laughs> you just get trophies. What's happening here? You know what I mean? I'm walking around with the Stanley Cup and y'all out here fighting children? <laughs> Can y'all clear past my office, please? Right. I'm like, yo, this joint is crazy, man. That was um that was a that was a funny that was a funny scene. That was a very well, funny scene. I don't know if it was funny on purpose. I know. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. It was very it was very interesting. Yes, yes, way. interesting. And that's the and, and that's the thing. That his whole squad, Shirley, Ralph, and um, uh, Victor Rivers and Sonny Jim Gaines, I believe those are the actors who played his, his crew. Yes. You wanted to see more of them, especially coming off of the opening, because the opening, right. they feel like yeah. this, this Cracker Jack yeah. like squad. You're yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they they are pulling the okie doke of okie dokes on this dude. And and I'm like, okay, I'm with this, I'm with this, and then they don't do nothing for the rest uh, of the movie. They tried to, I mean, you know, they did bring them back for the final grift. Yes. But, but then they really don't do anything. Yeah, yeah. They don't do nothing. I think maybe legitimately my f- purely favorite scene in the entire film is that moment in the elevator with Della Reese. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> And yeah. just the whole exchange, and then as you said, Sonny Rivers just nails it at the end. <laughs> I'll grab your ass. Okay. I said, "All right." And then I waited for Della Reese to be a recurring nah. character, no, nope. which she isn't. No, nope. just yeah. showed up for a day check. Mm. Yeah, hey, do, check, do a thing. Thank you. Which, which I had forgotten that she was in this movie. Which makes it all the more interesting that that wasn't his first choice for the role in Harlem Nights. Well, is this before Harlem Nights? Yes. Yeah. This. Is oh, before yeah. Harlem it Nights. is interesting. Yeah. yeah. That 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 really. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That he didn't. Maybe they didn't get along at the movie. <laughs> maybe there's a story there. In the making of uh, distinguished gentleman. Distinguished gentleman. And he said, "Well, I guess I gotta call you now." <laughs> Yeah, that, that 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 struck me. That struck me seeing her um, there. There was another part about this film that I, I enjoyed. I the the Victoria Rowe, I could have taken her leave leave her. I would have preferred for her not to be there. I would have actually preferred more scenes with Eddie and Charles Dutton. Yeah, I yeah. like the scenes between the two of them. Yeah, yes. those are, those are yeah. good scenes. Yeah. Those I like solid yeah. scenes. Charles Dutton. I mean, yeah, he, he. I mean, he's a fantastic actor, and his no nonsense attitude towards uh, Eddie Murphy is is very funny. It's a very funny like straight man to right, right. Uh, uh, Jeff Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, but I I thought I I liked I would have liked to see more of the you know the push and pull from Lane Smith to the uh, Charles Dutton's Elijah character oh, yeah. on Eddie Murphy. And I wonder whose decision that was, because I think if I grant you your read that Eddie Murphy isn't as generous at this point in his career, Mm. those are the scenes where he's working the most, like he's working the hardest because he does have to bounce off of Charles. Yeah, you don't just like come in and just read. So I don't know. Is that the director? Is that the script writer? Is that Murphy saying, 
I'm not really trying to do all this mm-hmm. or or what. But I agree with you. Well, I will say that Charles, because he is playing it so straight right. in every scene, he does change the tone of the film. Yeah. And the film, I think, is trying to have, even though it does delve into politics, you know, and, and nibble around the edges about giving you, like, you know, some, some political lessons about mm-hmm. what's going on and having some commentary about it. Mm-hmm. I think, for the most part, the movie is still trying to be lighter mm. uh, in tone. And Charles, like, every scene is like, yo, y'all... Why ain't y'all? Why ain't y'all vote for my vote? Yeah. What y'all in here? Why y'all in here? I mean, yeah. he comes into the st- the, the steam, steam room, room. right? <laughs> He's like, yo, 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 this is the steam room. Well, I'm steam, motherfucker. Right, right. It's like you're not really good at this politics <laughs> thing. I don't think. How did you get elected? Yeah, I mean, he literally and and, and he's a pastor. Right, right. Mm-hmm. He just sort of yells at everybody, everybody. So, so I I see I see why maybe there's not more of him. Okay, but I would I would have liked more of him. I think that might have pulled a little bit more out of the script and thus out of Eddie Murphy in the movie. That's my read on it. Carol loves it. I didn't say I loved it. I said it was a good movie that was a surprise. Like you, right. you watch it and you go, "Hey, this movie wasn't as as little as you would remember it in the you know." Oeuvre of Eddie Murphy. True. Like, right. This true. is a decent movie mm-hmm. that did well. I mean, like people, you, you talk about Eddie Murphy movies. Norbert's going to get mentioned before Distinguished Gentleman. Very true. And that's ridiculous. Right. Well, yeah. I think because Norbert was terrible. Sure. Like I think I, I think it's part of 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 what has affected Distinguished Gentleman is that it's not. I don't know. You know, Pluto Nash or something. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, not, like, it's not one of the worst. Where it's like. Have you seen this train wreck? Mm. <laughs> right. This is a competently made film. Yeah. That that has a that has Eddie Murphy not being like it has its scenes where it's completely Eddie Murphy just being Eddie Murphy. Right. But then yeah, the scenes with Charles Dutton, the scenes with um, Lane Smith, like you see him like giving more than just you know punchline time. Like right. Here's me being funny. It's like you know he's actually acting and pushing a story along, and I think the story. Uh, I think I even when I saw it and I was a preteen mm-hmm. when it came out, like I remember, you know, being like, "Wow, politics are Bruh. neat!" Like, you yeah, know, like, oh yeah, like yeah, like that 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 kind of thing is like neat. And you know, I it was like one of those things where I was like, I mean, trading places too, obviously, but I was so happy that someone like Eddie Murphy would put their weight behind a movie like that. Right, right. Yeah, I feel you on that. It's, it's funny, something you said about him being an older con man as mm-hmm. opposed to in, in 48 Hours or, or even Trading Places. Right. It made me think, now I'm sort of paralleling where Murphy is, where we're reading it as he didn't commit to it. And, and, but now I'm wondering, could you argue he's just really relaxed? I mean, is that just is that saying the same thing in a different way? Because now he is Eddie Murphy, so he doesn't have to do everything that he had to do. Doesn't necessarily make the performance any better, but it is it's an interesting way to look at it. That that maybe he's just sort of secure in his Eddie Murphiness. Yeah. So he doesn't have to do yeah. all his stuff. Well, even the character supposedly like is secure in the grifts that he currently right. has, right? Well, yeah, he does want more, right. but it's like he stumbles upon this payday. And I, but I think even as an audience, like 
it fascinated me in the first scene where they're running the griff and then he comes in and he's posing as a policeman. Mm -hmm. And at least by my viewing, there's nothing about the film that made me think that it wanted me to think that he wasn't in on it. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. you knew immediately sure. that he was in on it and that it wasn't going to be this great reveal. Right. Which I think says something about how even the film wanted us to see him. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And and to your point about him being relaxed, this probably is right. He's just being Eddie Murphy in this movie, you know, and he, and he's just doing it. But where that is a, a bit of a disservice and not his fault though is that because of that at no time do i feel that he is in any jeopardy in this movie like okay. even when yeah. you know um victoria rouse character says like you know i don't want to see you anymore you know she's going to be back. I mean, I mean right, we all right, know right. she's going to be back, but you don't even even <laughs> remotely believe right. that she's not going to be back. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you know, Eddie Murphy takes a walk by himself. That's, that's he, enough time to yes. reflect. There you go. You take that's a, true. The, there's, a weird, <laughs> there's a weird moment in this movie, though. And tell me if y'all felt it. When he... he uh, is with Elijah, the Charles Dutton character, mm -hmm. um, and they're they're eating the crabs. Right. Yes, yeah, and having a good time with crabs. It, um, and then Shirley Ralph, who is playing Eddie Murphy's cousin, mm -hmm. right? They which, give you a little. We should probably talk about that, right? And she comes and says, "Oh, y'all need a designated driver because I can tell y'all need a, a lift home." Right. And then they have the car accident. Yes. And for some reason, when that happened, I was like, "Why well, it feels weird. <laughs> right, right. That feels yeah. like really out of nowhere. Right. Like suddenly it turns into all the president's men. Right. Yeah. Like it's this really intense political drama. Oh, yeah. Right. It's like I'm, something had to happen right now. And yes. they were like, yeah, car accident, sure. I'm like, that felt like, ooh, that, that felt like writing on the fly. Right. <laughs> but then it's like late night frantic phone calls and double crosses. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I did not like that. That took me out of the movie big time. And, I, and the weird thing about it is that, and I couldn't find any, any backstory about this, there's a part of me that believed that scene is there only to hide the fact that Shirley Ralph may have actually injured herself and is going to be in a sling for the rest of the movie. Oh, I never thought about that. I, I didn't either. I don't know, because it just comes out of the blue. Right. And well, then, I mean, they needed something to put him in Dick Dodger's pocket, right? right. Like, like explicitly. But dude, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's a serious accident. It's, it's mm -hmm. a very because serious Because this is 92, there's, there's, there's no airbags. No, 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 <laughs> no. And they literally smash into concrete. And then I thought the prostitutes being around was going to be a detail that yeah. would be more prominent. Right, because you think when you know you see the news report about it that they're going to insinuate that Shirley Ralph's character right. was one of the prostitutes. Right. But no, they tie her back into, you know, the grifting 
from before. I'm like, so why did we need the real the shot of the prostitutes? Except that I guess it distracted right distracted the cab driver. The cab driver. But they don't even see why it distracts the cab driver because they're really not the best looking prostitutes. Uh, right, I just right. assume that uh, DC was like just rife with prostitution in '92. That's I just, just how DC. That's how it was. Yeah, until they had the they they, they gentrified it. <laughs> I was in DC in '92, and it was pretty sketchy. <laughs> okay, see? pretty sketchy. I don't know that that part. That see, just that's that's DC out. as a character in the movie. Oh, there <laughs> you go. Well, there, there you go. go. I didn't see that. Okay, all right. Well, now it makes all sense. <laughs> what I thought you were going to say is that there was a moment where where Elijah is sort of flirty, flirty with Cheryl Lee Ralph, yeah. and I said, "Oh, is this going to go somewhere?" Nope. Yeah, it was so funny that that did. Yeah. There was no conclusion on that because, like, yeah, he was kind of drunk, and yeah, he was flirty, and she was like, you know, giving as much as she was getting. But then that was it. Yeah, yeah, because you're right. Because matter of fact, she looks at it a little squirrely, and then Eddie kind of gives her a look, like kind of mm. like, yo, play into it. Right, right. This is yeah. We can work with this. Yeah, and get then, him off my neck a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Once he's in the hospital, he has no uh, further use for his genitals. <laughs> no. He must have and, lost that next. <laughs> and thus, no, no further use for him accident. in the movie. Because <laughs> he is no longer in the movie except as a cut to him. Like, hey. Right. Yeah, at the end, like, you did it. You did it, buddy. Yeah. I am a, a huge Shirley Ralph fan. So, mm-hmm. again, Shirley Ralph not being more prominent. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't understand, because, again, this is my first time actually seeing it. I think mm-hmm. I always thought Shirley Ralph was the love interest. Yeah. So when they said, oh, that's my cousin, I remember going, oh, <laughs> because I really did want to see this back and forth between the two of them. Yeah. That didn't happen. And, and I think that's indicative of they weren't quite sure what to do with Shirley Ralph. Right. No. They wanted to give her some shine. She gets a few scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's... It, it's her grifting other people. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, in, in support of Eddie Murphy. Yeah. She doesn't really get to play, like, yeah, in an actor right. sense with, with And they a lot don't of know people, what yeah. level of intelligence to give the character. Exactly. Because if you kind of lean into it and she's actually his cousin, now you almost have a buddy film. Right. 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 I actually was glad that she wasn't his love interest. Okay. Because to me, even though she's not playing, she's playing like ambiguous intelligence in this movie. Shirley Ralph, just her. Yeah, I just don't see her in Eddie Murphy. Like so I, I, I wouldn't been able to see that. I, I can't. I, I just don't see them having chemistry. He's not good enough for her. Exactly. <laughs> He's not good enough for Shirley Ralph. Exactly. I one thousand percent agree with you. Yeah. So when they said cousin, I was like. All right, well, that'll make sense. That's the only reason <laughs> someone like Shirley Ralph would be, be with <laughs> someone like Eddie Murphy. True. Exactly. True. We are of one accord. That's why that. we do a show. That's that. right. <laughs> All right. So, historically, because, uh-huh. you know, I'm, I'm interested in Eddie Murphy as, as a phenomenon. And again, now, now I'm, I'm really hooked on that reading of looking at his characters parallel to where he is. Right. Eddie Murphy fan? Yeah, sure. Definitely. Assume? Yes. How do you fit this into an Eddie Murphy conversation? So, so, so obviously you have the, oh, it's Eddie Murphy and you do the early stuff and 
then we talk about the, the family stuff and whatever, mm-hmm. serious stuff and dream girls. So you're giving your Eddie Murphy talk. Right. How do you fold distinguished gentlemen into your Eddie Murphy conversation? I think it highlights uh, Eddie Murphy's ambition to try to make a variety of movies using a star power. Right. Okay. How many other comedic actors decide that they're going to do anything kind of political and be the face of it? Right. And I think it it speaks to the ambition that Eddie Murphy has had throughout his career, especially before he, you know, went to just family films. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, there was no movie like Boomerang before Boomerang came out. Right. Uh, You know, Coming to America was genre busting. Right. Like in in, in every way. And so, like, it, it, I think it speaks to, still more ambition like obviously he didn't write this movie you know he didn't have he showed up and did the job Mm -hmm. but there's an intelligence in knowing to lend your star power to something like that like like i could see eddie murphy being like this movie's decently written the 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 guy who wrote it was like a speech writer for some well-known politician right right Right. by the director of uh my cousin Vinny, Mm -hmm. which is a film that's got crazy accolades. Yes. It's a great film. Right. right. A great yeah. film and, and does a, film a really good job. And if you said, you know, oh, this will be the next great comedy, nobody would be like, my cousin Vinny, right. really? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. yeah so, yeah. like, there's, there's competence behind it and I could see him saying, like, yeah, this is a good movie and people should see this. Mm-hmm. I, I know 92 is an election year, so right. I wonder if and that had that. to do with why it came out the same year as Boomerang. And I wonder, like, well, it comes out in December, so that's after the election. Right? Comes out after the election, but it was they they uh, ran ads along with the like vice presidential oh, sure. debates and stuff like yeah. that. So, I I mean, yeah, they they would not have put it out in '93, right? They would right. not have put it out in '91. Yeah, you got to put it out right after. Right, right you right, want to put right. it out with that, and I I wonder, yeah, I mean, I don't think that they thought that this was going to be like a super big hit, but I. I don't think that they thought Boomerang would be, right? I right. Think these these yeah. are all kind of gambles that just keep yeah. turning up good because yeah. it's Eddie Murphy. Right. The truth is, though, this film uh, was made with a budget of $50 million, and it only grossed just north of $46 million. Ooh, really? not considered a hit. Mm. So what do you think happened? I think it's probably the, the time. Um, December of 92, you're coming off, like you said, the election, and yeah. you really want to go back into the world of politics. Now mm-hmm. we want to gripe about it. Right. Um, I think it actually admitted it would have been smarter to put this out maybe just before, but right. who knows when it was finished. Mm-hmm. If I remember, I'm having a hard time calling it back, I don't remember the push behind it being that strong. So I, was, I actually vaguely remember them talking about it. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was hmm. that strongly like. I mean, I was, yeah, I was a teenager or preteen, and so. I remember, like, you know, you go to the mall and you see all the movie posters and just mm-hmm. seeing that Eddie Murphy was in another movie. Right. right, right. So, like, you know, that alone for me at that age, I was like, I'm going to go see this. Right. You know, it's Eddie Murphy in a movie. Right. You know? right. Uh, yeah, so. But then another another thing may be, remember, Boomerang, at the time that he does Boomerang, Boomerang was all also maybe a, a bit of an answer to his critics, you know, that he wasn't doing, you know, like, films for... The black audience, right? Uh, so, so if you then your follow up to Boomerang is this, is this distinguished gentleman? Interesting. That also gets a little bit of backlash, at least from that audience. So, if you figure it makes forty six million dollars, if the black audience goes to see it, that probably makes this a, a hit. I don't know mm. if 
the you know every black person that right. was if you loved him in Boomerang, I don't know if I don't necessarily know if you, you yeah. loved him in the distance. That's true gentleman. because I was twenty when when ninety two and I remember being at a theater and we thought there was going to be a riot because mm-hmm. they oversold tickets to Boomerang. To Boomerang. <laughs> like Boomerang was <laughs> yes. a phenomenal like oh, yeah. in the black community. Like sure, I was definitely. a black movie. And it really My mom was. took me to see it. Yeah, and it was like yeah. they they oversold the tickets, yep. and it was like, oh, it, it, it we need to keep an eye on the door because I think it's about to pop off in here. <laughs> so yeah, it, and Boomerang was the conversation not only for Black culture because of the the film and that it was a romantic comedy, and right. you had you know upwardly mobile um, Black people shown in there, right? But like then people you had wrote the soundtrack that was Boomerang. also yeah. banging right. hip hop. And R and B, and then you come with the distinguished gentleman, which is like outside of Shirley Ralph, there's not really a prominent or black face in there. Yeah, and, and true. Who knows what was on the soundtrack? Right. You know. Right. I mean, I do wonder, like, uh, Boomerang being the hit that it was, it's very likely still in theaters. It may have when still been, yeah, distinguished or, or just came out. out probably yeah. really coming on. Just, but yeah, because this comes out in December, mm-hmm. it's very likely that Boomerang is it's hitting you know the video stores. Right, this right, time, right, right. Well, certainly it was around in right, the summer still, fall. It was still in the in the actual theaters. Well, yeah, yeah. like yeah. you probably could have caught it at a dollar movie. That's true. Right. That's right. Out. That's right. Dollar movie. Yeah, yeah. right. And if so. you if you had the choice between seeing Boomerang again or seeing the Distinguished Gentleman. I'd probably go see Boomerang again. I'd go see Boomerang. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you talk about early Eddie Murphy. What I just watched again for the first time in a long time was... Metro. (laughs) (laughs) October 16th, 8 (laughs) o'clock. For this and more, ladies and gentlemen, October 16th, 8 o'clock, and jokes, Helium Nightclub here on the podcast in Philadelphia. Yes. Yeah. Um, I watched Eddie Murphy's uh, Delirious. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first HBO special. Sure, yeah. And, um, you know, there's some, there's some jokes in there that are like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Totally. Oh, this is, it was back then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it still holds up. It is insanely oh, yeah. funny, man. He's yeah. an incredibly talented person incredibly who did very, talented. very good jokes. Yeah, and just and just in, in full control of his faculties, commanding the stage, man. Um, it was it was really really cool. Uh, conversely, maybe a couple of years ago, I tried to watch Raw. Right, right. You can't watch Raw. <laughs> you can't. I mean, I think you can watch it, but. I mean, obviously, there are there are problematic pieces in both uh, films, right? Right. Uh, outside of that, I mean, good jokes. Here's the difference between me, Delirious, and and Raw. Delirious, there are problematic some things in there. True. However, one, you do feel to a degree that Eddie's tongue is in his cheek. He's he is being funny. Mm-hmm. And he does provide a little bit of subtext to some of the things that he's saying. That's true. Right? You know, he, he, he comes at the gaze, but he, al- he also says, but there's nothing wrong with the gaze. You right. You know what I mean? It always says, there's also about, you know, you can be best friends with the gaze. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, he probably shouldn't use the phrase, the gaze. Okay, well, but it, it was the 80s. It was the 80s. I mean, okay. in all honesty, that's one of the nicest terms in the 80s. Yeah. Right. One of the, the nicest homosexual terms he uses on the, right, on the right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> 
but the, when you go to Raw, yeah, there's a meanness to yeah. what he's saying, man, and that's what and and there's really and there's no the subtext is just more mean, yeah, you know, and that's that's the difference. Yeah, there. it's it's I think he spends a lot more time on what could be considered a problematic portrayal of mm-hmm. the gay community. Uh, I think it's it's like. It's more edgy. I don't think it's mean, right? I don't think he's mean-spirited in doing it. I don't know, man. Because you're talking about the getting pulled over and the cops in San Francisco bit, right? Yeah, like, right. I think it's it's a it's a fantasy thing, right? He's he's oh, doing he's, he's 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 building this whole world on this getting pulled over stuff, and yeah, I don't think I, don't, I mean again, I'm I'm probably just very biased, but I don't think it was mean as much as it was reaching for something that you know in hindsight and even at the time was like come on dude <laughs> right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. How, how do you feel about the 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 word is, is that he plans to return to the stage i don't know if he could do what he want yeah did you see the uh, comedians in cars i did yeah did you see the size of his home yes i don't know if he could do whatever the hell he wants yeah oh yeah well he needs a he look like he size. drove past other homes <laughs> While he went to the door of that one home. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, he has a kid for every room, so that's also. It's like kids. Yeah. He's got like. He's got kids. he does. Yeah. He's not. He's not done. So. No. <laughs> so. Um, I I I will be interested in seeing him return to the stage. I right? do wonder how hard. I mean, yeah. Now they have the technology, or they have those bags that you can use to like lock people's phones away and stuff. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Cause Dave Chappelle uses. Them. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I th- that will hopefully be in use for him, but I just you don't want to see. I mean, no one sees the amount of terrible uh, mics and terrible shows that comedians go to in order to hone their craft. Well, that that was my question. Just logistically, I don't know how he works out. Right. Like where, like you said, like where does he go to work his material? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean. He's Eddie Murphy. He can just show up at a place, right? Yeah, he can show up, but but he's got to literally probably show up like two, three o'clock in the morning. And he's got right. He's got to show up and basically wear a, a mask or something because as soon no, as I mean, you see Eddie Murphy, as soon as you see Eddie Murphy, people going to flip out. But if you can get the phones out of the room, right? And then, oh, by the way, we got a special guest. It's Eddie Murphy. Yeah. People are going to be happy, right? right? The, the the difference is like. But how do you know if you're good? Right. The star power of right, you just if walking Eddie in Murphy the room. If came in here and start making beer in your kitchen, right. I'm going to start cracking yeah, up. Yeah, right, exactly. No matter what he does, right. it's going to be funny. Yeah, I. that's the tough part that, you know, one day I'll know what that's like. Yeah, but, so you uh, can tell us. I have no clue how, how you <laughs> go about that. Because obviously, I mean, he's very likely, you know, writing jokes and taking his, you know, talents and doing the impersonations and all that stuff like at home when he's chilling or mm-hmm. hanging out with friends and doing yeah. that kind of stuff and probably somewhere in the back of his mind is like oh I could use this as a bit or this could be a thing but there is there are many steps between oh that could be something to do and a fully polished right right you know right. something but well, well look speaking of the cars have you know coffee's cars and comedians I could watch a half hour of him talking about Sammy Davis Jr. worshiping the devil. <laughs> yeah. That was the funniest thing I'd heard and I don't know. I said, this is amazing. So, like you, Eddie Murphy can do no wrong for me. I'm just... I mean, yeah, I mean, he's 
He's been a I'm couple of missteps. I'm but, just but, happy. Yeah. I'm, just happy. Missteps. I'm just happy to have him around. Right. Again. You know? Right. Yeah. I'm it, loving the Dolomite stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm doing the interviews. I'm loving the Eddie Murphy renaissance we're going through right yeah. now. I, I t- am as well. But there is a part of me that is... I'm, I'm waiting for the real Eddie Murphy interview. I think he, even still, even with... Well, of course, with Jerry Seinfeld. And in some of the interviews that he's been doing in the lead up, I, I think he would do like a Quincy Jones type Eddie Murphy interview. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that, Eddie. Uh, Man, you, you talking? You, you are years away from oh, that. I know. I don't think he's ever given a real interview, though. No, that Playboy one was pretty deep. That's. Well, I that's was just true. about to talk yeah, about that, the Playboy interview, yeah, that but even that, the, that was young Eddie. Yeah, even that, the journalists acknowledged and called him out and said, even as we're having this interview, you're so controlled. Mm-hmm. with everything that you're saying and you know the emotion that you're going to elicit with each answer mm-hmm. I don't know if Eddie Murphy ever fully lets down his guard yeah I wouldn't yeah, I don't think I do Yeah, it's something <laughs> I, I think Rick James said it in an interview and this was this is actually before the, the Charlie Murphy stuff mm-hmm. Rick James talked about the fact well, it's either Rick James or Eddie Murphy because it, it, it goes to both of them. They talked about the fact that black celebrity in the early 80s was different mm-hmm. than it is now, mm-hmm. where where we know all the basketball players, we know all football players, they're, you know, rapper, like there are a bunch of black celebrities. Right. And at that time, either Eddie Murphy or Rick James, whichever one said it, said mm-hmm. the only two quote-unquote black celebrities were me and Rick James. Right, yeah. So all the racism, all the venom, all the bigotry was all aimed at us. And was waiting for an opportunity. And was waiting for an opportunity. And if you look at at the media, if you look at the coverage that we got, you could tell that we were just getting this really focused yeah racism and bigotry that's kind of spread around. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's where it's enough for everyone now. Yeah. But I think that's where Eddie Murphy's celebrity was born, and I think he still carries himself like that. Like I'm never actually gonna let my guard down because I was a black celebrity in '81, mm. and what that meant. So definitely. Well, I look forward to that. Uh, to that day when he does let his guard down. Well, well, like. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine the the number of stories he'd be able to tell. Oh my god! But he's got tales, man. Yeah, he's got tales. Daryl's got tales too, ladies and gentlemen. You can hear all of them Mm -hmm. on October sixteenth at Helium Nightclub in Philadelphia, where Daryl will be there um, recording his first. Yes, my debut. Your debut debut comedy album. Debut comedy album. It's gonna be fun. Do you have a title for the album? Not yet. I still got to figure that out. I, I have a couple floating around. My wife has shot one down immediately. Really? Yeah, it has to do with that joke that I can't tell. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Will you be telling this joke at Helium? Of course. Oh. Of course. So if we come to Helium. You will definitely get on to hear the joke. October 16th. At 8 p.m. At 8 p.m. We will hear the joke. Definitely. It's like, is it like a forbidden joke? Forbidden? I mean. Is, is it like, um, not the Lombada? <laughs> what was it for? Is, the was the Lombada? 
Was that the Forbidden Dance? The Forbidden Dance. That was the, the Forbidden Dance. Yeah, it was, it was like the Lombada, the Forbidden Dance. It is a joke that uses subject matter that is very off-putting, and purposefully so. Is it about hardcore German pornography? No. Sadly. That's the second album. That's an inside Saving joke. That. Saving that one. Saving well, I mean, aren't they all? <laughs> <laughs> You can hear his pornographic joke, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> uh, when Daryl sits down with Tim Marie every month. Yeah, second Friday of every month, DTF, the Daryl and Tim Marie Fun Hour. Yes. Yeah, you should come back. I, I will come back anytime. Yeah, anytime man. Anytime you have me. I'm I was, gonna, I, it's good I times. You should, you should come through. Invited. I don't get invited to yeah, You were closing on a house, man. <laughs> you were closing it. Yeah. Right. Now that the house is closed. I was about to say, I'm there now. I, don't, I want to come and have fun at, at the podcast. Were you, were you the one who bought that uh, that house in like suburban Pennsylvania that had the sex dungeon in the basement? I was not. Well, oh, okay. All right. Here's what's funny, though. <laughs> we looked to see Dolores Tucker's house. <laughs> oh. We looked at C. Dolores Tucker's house. Ask me how I knew it was C. Dolores Tucker's house. How did you know it was C. Dolores Tucker's house? She had, I mean, she's, she, she passed, but yeah, I guess her right. family. There was a portrait of C. Dolores Tucker in every room. <laughs> so we were walking, and it was like a, a, a portrait of a black lady in a turban. And I remember saying to my wife, that looks like C. Dolores Tucker. <laughs> And then I felt bad because I was thinking, oh, you shouldn't say that. It's just because it's a black lady in a turban. And certainly other black ladies wore turbans besides C. Dolores Tucker. But then lo and behold, it was C. Dolores Tucker's house. I thought maybe she had a Luke Campbell voodoo doll. No, 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 no. Right. I was I was about to say, so no sex dungeon. But we were in a house with a woman who was against explicit lyrics. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Birds of a feather. Again. Birds, there you go. Uh, uh, last thing we w- want to say, Daryl, would you recommend that people watch The Distinguished Gentleman? I think so. I think if you're a fan of Eddie Murphy, you, you would do well to watch this movie. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. All right. Vince? I agree. I'm glad I watched it. Again, I don't think it's one of the great Eddie Murphy films, but... No. It it was it was nice. Like it was it was like oh, it's, it's some Eddie Murphy stuff I haven't seen. So I would I would also agree. It would make for an okay Saturday afternoon yeah. if you're sitting around the house. You know, it comes up on TNT or you know BET or um, you know TV One. Sure. You know, and not it. very dirty. Yeah, and that's the other thing because it doesn't have to be. Um, it doesn't have to be edited. Yeah, really there's, there's no, there's no, not a whole lot of curse words. I mean, there's a, there's a, you know, call girl thing, uh, but that's just used for comedic effect. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I, and I think that's tamer than anything oh. that Cardi B or <laughs> any of the MCs of the right. day. It is not the hustlers of its time. Right. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. So uh, I, I, I concur. Go, go ahead and um, watch it. Um, and if you're an Eddie Murphy fan, I think then it is must viewing to get a full scope yeah. of the man and his career. All right, it's like a B side to Boomerang. That's one interesting way to put it. I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't have thought about it yeah. that way. But there you go, showing our age. There you go. Because people are listening. B side. What, what are you talking about? It's a double disc. <laughs> See, remember when compact disc? The film film was too long. You had you actually had to turn the, oh, the yeah. disc. Oh over. yeah. I watched uh, the first time I saw Scarface. I accidentally yes. put tape two in. Yes. Oh. 
Uh, I was like, this is a sad movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's losing everything. Huh? How, wait, when did he get stuff? <laughs> did he come over here from Cuba with stuff? Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely. This has been big fun, man. Yeah, I have a blast every time I'm on here. You must come back, my friend. Oh, yes. Well, thank you. I, I can't wait to find another movie. Yeah, I hope I, I, I can't wait for you to do that as well. Um, <laughs> Twa. Twa. Could have been the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Was Twa in the movies? No, thank God. No, it wasn't. I was about to say, was, I don't know if Twa was in the movies. Woo! Thank God. Thank you know, you it's guys. like three or four of yes, them. Yes, I know. <laughs> thank God. That's, thank you so much. Like, oh, my God. Why are they drowning. still making Twa movies? I, I noticed they had sequels. I just remember. Oh, it's at least two. Oh, yes. I remember being in a video store and being like, should I get it? I'm not going to get it. Should I? Nah. I made the mistake of getting it. Mm. Oh, Why God. doesn't Monica Calhoun have more clothes on? Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> That's a good pull. That's a good pull. People don't talk about Twa. No, no, not at all. No, they don't. <laughs> For a good reason. Very twa 2, the Twatening. <laughs> this is the one people really reference. It's where they took chances. Twa three. <laughs> Twa hard. Twa. <laughs> Live free or die. Twa. <laughs> P.S. P.S. <laughs> so, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you thought it was over? It ain't over. October 16th, 8 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Helium nightclub. Helium nightclub. <laughs> Daryl Charles. One man, one stage. <laughs> Make it happen. Um, go to Daryl Charles Comedy for more inf- information. No, you thought it was over, ladies and gentlemen. We actually got a little piece of historical correction from the uh, the, the corrections department, aka Carl, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who came in to fact check us at the end of the show. With a little piece of enlightenment. Carl, take it away. Harlem Night came out before Boomerang and Gentlemen. So Harlem Night came out actually in 1989. Yeah. Wow, so Harlem Nights came That's out Exactly. Came out before a full three years. Before Boomerang. So before wait before Boomerang, yeah, that's what threw me off. Yeah. It really feels yeah. weird that it came out before Boomerang. And and what, three years before Boomerang. Yeah. So right. when does Coming to America come out? 88. Okay, so that's got to be. Yeah. Because this is, this is, you can feel it. Eddie Murphy is reaching for his people. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? 88. 88. Mm-hmm. So that comes out 88. So you've got Coming to America, Harlem Nights, Boomerang. Boomerang. Right? He's reaching for his people. And then what does he follow that up with? Distinguished gentleman. The distinguished gentleman. Got to catch a trick. It, it, well, there you see, right? But I think another forty-eight came out. Does another forty-eight hours? Oh, come? No, man, that might have been after Gentleman, right? Let's 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 go to the filmography. I'm about to say we we've got a, we've got other voices in the, in the <laughs> That's building. Right. Baltimore That's right. is nothing but voices, <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen. It's a team effort. What say you? Say voice. 
Uh, I think it goes Harlem Nights, another 48 hours, Boomerang, and then the Distinguished Gentleman. So another 48 hours jumps in there. Yeah, yeah. Har- another 48 is before Boomerang. It's in 1990. Right, so that makes because another 48 hours is definitely getting a check. Right. That's all about a check. And then Beverly Hills Cop 3 after Distinguished Gentleman, and then Vampire in Brooklyn. Ooh. 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 <laughs> it's rocky. Ooh. <laughs> the water is choppy. <laughs> the water's getting, yeah. The landscape is rocky, and the water is choppy. But then, but then Nutty Professor. It, right. And, and that's when, right. But that's when he locks on to right. the family yeah. comedy. Right. And it's family bounce back. Yeah. And then Metro. <laughs> and then Metro. <laughs> right then. And then he goes back to <laughs> And he goes back to the safe waters. Right. Mulan. But that's voice acting. That's oh, voice yeah, yeah. acting. That's oh, it. Holy Man. No, a D- Dr. Doolittle first, oh, and then Do- Holy oh, Man. Dr. Doolittle, and then Holy Man. Oh. Then... So he don't know what he He's doing. all over the place. <laughs> well, I think he had made commitments. After, after Holy Man, I felt like he had two really well, pretty good ones, Life and then Bowfinger, which are... Bowfinger is the slept on. Yeah, Bowfinger is fantastic. It's very funny. We love Bowfinger. Yes, and his his acting in it. It's actually on my list on the way to two hundred. I have my Uh, own. So yeah, I love I love Bowfinger. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah, Bowfinger is a very good movie. Yeah, And, and life, life, I contend, coming to America notwithstanding, may be Eddie Murphy's best movie. I think that's a great argument. It's a good argument. I mean, it's a very good movie, and yeah, like. There's so much heart in it, in addition yeah. to all of the comedy. Right. Like, like yeah. that's definitely yeah. a conversation. It's definitely worth a good having. Yeah, what is the best one? And... As opposed to oh, mm-hmm. get out of here with that. I don't right. know. Sometimes I think about those black. Sometimes I think about those black movies as how good their soundtracks are, and then like life is pretty damn good soundtrack compared to Boomerang. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the Boomerang soundtrack is like a classic. Soundtrack. Yeah, but say. Oh, yeah. No, I think life. I felt like a life. You're soundtrack. just thinking about Casey's voice. No, uh, Exhibit Twenty Five to Life. Why Clef when he was like still not an ass. Bruh. Or less mm-hmm. of an ass. Bruh. What? <laughs> yeah, but you're gonna put Why Clef against Tribe. Tribe is on Boomerang. Hot sex in the play. On a play. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot that's mm-hmm. on there. Yeah, come mm-hmm. on, man. Nah, mm-hmm. nah. Boomerang is damn near the soundtrack of that time. That's how good that soundtrack yeah. is. Cause you got. You got uh, Tribe, you've got PM Dawn on yeah. there. You're introduced to Tony Braxton. I yeah. mean, come on, man. Love. Love should have brought you Bruh. home last night. And she pokes him in the forehead. <laughs> she sure does. She <laughs> does. And I just, I'll never forget about uh, watching Toes Curl. <laughs> yes. It was a very uh, yes. impressionable oh, age. The road was on that album? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. You want you want to retract that statement, Carl? <laughs> you want you, you want to? You want to uh, re- I just want to go back to facts. See, <laughs> see, you flew too close to yeah, the sun. Yeah. Now Carl need a corrections department. <laughs> it's almost as if it boomeranged. Daryl, if people want to get in touch with you um, to find out more information about how they can come see you October 16th at Helium in Philadelphia, how can they do that? How you can, can go to DarylCharlesComedy.com. You can also follow me on the internet. I'm pretty sure if you Google Daryl Charles, I'll pop up uh, probably first or third. 
<laughs> well, second, there's that one bastard. But right. you know, um, it's like that podiatrist is not you. <laughs> yeah, there's a dude with like a PhD in video games. He he has like the a hat. PhD in video games, yeah. computers or something, yeah, but yeah. Like, or video game history or something. Yeah. It's a thing. And his name is Daryl Charles, and uh, he 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 was on Twitter before me. Wow. <laughs> it's a friend of mine who's doing that. I don't know if, if she's on a PhD in video game history, but that is her graduate, like, video games. Wow. That's I know, crazy. right? That's crazy. That's insane. It's can I get a world. PhD in Batman? I th- I'm almost positive you can. I, I mean, I read uh, Batman and Philosophy. Someone wrote a book that takes all the Batman villains and pathos and oh, applies I saw that book. classical you know, psychology to it. I or saw philosophy. the book. Yeah. Does that um, get me a PhD? <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's a good first step. I had Batman manga. That's also a good step. I'm, I'm halfway there. Half, ooh, half is strong, <laughs> but you're moving towards it. Okay. You know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So grad school humor for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, we got to get out of here. Uh, we are con- going to continue on this road to 200. Who knows where we go next? Who knows? Not toi. <laughs> Not toi. That's Not on the road to 300. <laughs> it's the road to somewhere. Um, <laughs> Bring your hand sanitizer there. <laughs> Please feel free to send us your, your feedback um, to michellemission at gmail.com. Follow us on all social medias at michellemission. Uh, michellemission is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. We are also a proud members of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, Podglomerate Curated Podcast for your listening pleasure. The Michelle Mission is also available in edited form as a radio show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM. Philly Cam, People Power Media, 106.5 FM in the city of brotherly love. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on 91.7 FM, WKDU. The voice of Drexel University. Okie dokie. He's Vince, I'm Len, and parting we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu, it's been a pleasure knowing you, I'll see you when it's time to meet again.